0: Hello and welcome to episode 44 of Can We Still Be Friends, a podcast that tests the limits of the friendship between two people who mistake movie taste for personal morality. I'm Nate Goss, here with Ryan Ebling. With the release of the new version of The Magnificent Seven, we're going to watch John Sturgis' 1960 classic, which itself was a reimagining of Akira Kurosawa's iconic film, The Seven Samurai. This is the first time we've actually ever done a Western on this podcast, which is surprising to us since we would both list at least one Western among our favorite films. Along with solidifying Steve McQueen's place as a screen idol,
1: The Magnificent Seven has established itself as an iconic Western, despite being more or less considered a flop at the time of its release. The film's recognizable score and archetypal characters helped set the standard for many Westerns to come after it. It wasn't, however, apparently iconic enough to be untouchable for a remake. But does iconic status mean the movie is actually any good? Or does the Magnificent Seven need to be carted out of town and buried? Keep listening.
0: We need help. We must buy guns. We know nothing about them. Will you buy guns for us? Guns are very expensive and hard to get. Why don't you hire men? Men? Gunmen. Nowadays men are cheaper than guns. Will you go? It will be a blessing if you came to help us. Sorry, I'm not in the blessing business. No, no, we offer more than that. We could feed you every day. And we have this. What's that? We can sell this for gold. Everything we own, Everything of value in the village. I've been offered a lot for my work, but never everything. All right, so there's a clip from the movie we're discussing today, Magnificent Seven. The Yul Brenner, as yeah. Chris Adams, a uh, Somewhat reluctant
1: hero in this
0: movie. Yeah. Being um, offered uh, everything, though, in everything, that scene. Yeah. Have you ever been offered everything, Ryan? Uh, no, no. I was. I didn't take it. I really no? regret that. Yeah, I mean, everything's a lot. I know. And, well, it's a lot to that person who offers yeah. it. And I don't know. Like, That's I, a
1: lot to be responsible for once you
0: get it. I think it was before I had seen this movie and I didn't see the point. Oh, now I sense. I saw Magnificent Seven and I I guess I would have yeah. gone back and taken it.
1: Yeah, after just seeing it just once, I don't think I'd go for everything, but maybe on a, on a repeat viewing, Yeah, I can see the appeal. Hmm. But, um... Yeah, the 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 poor villagers seeking the help of cutthroats.
0: Yeah. It's a
1: tale as old as Kurosawa. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> which oh, that tired cliche. <laughs> um yeah, so I haven't seen this movie before. Um so we keep just filling in movies that I've that overlooked, which is fine. Um but you saw it. How have you seen it uh more than once? No, I Isn't
0: just there? Magnificent seven was a movie that was in that period. We've talked about many times where it was sort of that post-college, just tearing crossing through off the movies list. to check yeah. off the list. And Magnificent seven was one that I did that with. So I'd only seen it once and I did like it a uh-huh. lot. Um, which is interesting because I know I knew going into it that it was based off of Seven Samurai which you didn't which like. I didn't like Right. I just thought it was way too long I know I'm probably going to get a lot of flack Well you won't get that. as much flack as I will for not having seen the Seven oh Samurai my gosh. What are you doing on this podcast I don't know I know
1: I don't know uh, I know But I will say I've seen lots of Kurosawa and don't really love it Yeah yeah
0: you kind of have to keep the fact that you're not a Kurosawa fan to yourself. If you're talking to a lot of film buffs, you know,
1: although, I mean, if you, you go the Mark cousins route and set up that there has to be a D like Kurosawa or Ozu. I kind of like Ozu. Yeah.
0: I would probably say the same. Yeah.
1: So there you go. I lose my credibility yeah. by not seeing Seven Samurai. I gain my credibility by saying I prefer Ozu
0: <laughs> to Kurosawa. <laughs> so I guess that makes us even. Uh huh. Well, I'm glad that Hollywood liked Seven Samurai enough to remake it as a Magnificent Seven and mm-hmm. as a Western. I think it fits really well as a Western. Oh, definitely. Um, but uh, yeah, so I just ha- I've just i only seen it the one time. So with the remake, the Antoine Fuqua remake that yeah. just came out, um, You you haven't seen it just this week. Oh, of course not. I've got a five month old. You know. Yeah. You know how it is. (laughs) We don't see movies anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Movies. Yeah. Movies once were in. Well, I also.
1: I mean, honestly, Antoine Fuqua remake of the
0: Seventh Samurai really doesn't like get me reaching for my wallet. Wasn't on the top of your 2016 must see. We got to get a babysitter. Yeah. Nope. You probably aren't a fan of any of Fuqua's work, because you're not a huge fan of Training Day. I'm not a huge fan of Training Day, no. I mean, talking about... You do Southpaw, right? Fuqua's work,
1: yeah, uh, which I didn't see. I didn't either, but I saw The
0: Equalizer, which was fine. (laughs) I I, (laughs) saw King Arthur, which is horrible. Yeah, I guess if I start thinking about it, maybe Training Day is the only one that I would really say I I really liked of Fuqua's. But you know, you never know. I, I I've seen some of the early reviews pouring in for the new Magnificent Seven. Pouring and they, in, yeah. Pour, they're <laughs> pouring in. <laughs> You've got your intern running in.
1: Got another one, Mister Goss. Well, it's just a ticker that's just been going crazy.
0: But um, it's not looking good so far. No, it doesn't seem like it. I'm yeah.
1: honestly, I'm not surprised. I mean,
0: it was. I was. I mean, it was a good cast. I can uh,
1: speculate as to why it wouldn't have been. Good, based on what I like about the new one. All right. Well, we what can... I anticipate, what, what did I say, Wait, the new one. Based on what, what I like, like about the old one. Okay.
0: What I anticipate the new one would avoid. Okay. There's probably some overlap there. Sure. Well, I'm sure we'll. That'll be something that would be good to get into once we get into our our, our discussion. So, yeah. you don't have any story of no seeing I don't. this. So we should just pivot to uh, you oh <laughs> no, you already did it yeah you i was you, just gonna it say... was on a list of movies oh what yeah no no, no. i don't have any more else to add about my first time seeing it I, I the only. i mean i guess it was my aside from his portrayal as pharaoh in ten commandments it was really my only other exposure to yul brenner
1: never saw the king and i
0: no i haven't hmm. And I guess I just, in Magnificent Seven, the first time I saw it, that was what I think stuck out to me. I remembered Yul Brenner a lot more Hmm. after seeing Magnificent Seven and just really liked his character in it. But it's one of those movies that uh, I was excited to rewatch just because I remembered so little of it other than just the basic plot. You know, I really didn't have any recollection of, of, I knew I liked it, but I couldn't really remember why. So Hmm. it was good to get back to it. Well, good. And I'm also, you know, I enjoy a classic western uh, frequently. So, you know, it's it was I I was excited to just watch a western.
1: You know, yeah, Uh, westerns typically I I do enjoy, but I mean, as with like the remake of the Seven, uh, the Magnificent Seven, I'm I'm like I'm not like, well, if it's a western, I've got to see it, right. Just know that there are several movies that I like that happen to be westerns.
0: Right. And the western as a genre is one that, you know, you could even be someone who says, I like westerns. And you have a, you're, you yep. maybe are only talking about one subgenre of yeah. western that you like. You yeah. know, I think if we're going to talk about westerns and why we like them, you almost have to kind of say, well, I like this right. genre of, of western because of this reason. Yeah. And so, yeah, when a new western comes out, I'm not necessarily going to automatically be rushing to the theater to see it because right. I kind of have to figure out where does it fit and uh is it something that i think is going to be you know adding to the genre right you know
1: i feel like there was kind of a run of almost like deconstructionist westerns a couple years ago Mm -hmm. with like 310 to yuma and the proposition and not necessarily deconstructionist but ones that sort of took like the darker view rather than the more romanticized oh for sure and yeah um I really enjoyed that. Oh, I loved it. Minor research. There was even,
0: you could put like assassination of Jesse James in that camp there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, a really good run. And what was that? Like mid two thousands? Yeah. Like probably like culminating in 2007. Right. (laughs) With like, like you know, you could even make a case for no country being like a Mm -hmm. contemporary Western and, and sort of, yeah, you know, and there will be blood being a a Western of sorts. And yeah, 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 yeah. It was a cool period for Westerns, I think. Uh, so anyways, uh, this is your first time seeing yeah. Magnificent Seven. What are your, what's, what, what do you think?
1: Well, should I letterbox it? Like sure. Like you want me to
0: make up a letterbox rating? Yeah. Why not? Honestly, I'd, I'd say like three and a half, but well, okay. like a good three and a half, you know? You, you mean like a, you know, that was, that was, that was satisfying. Sure. Yeah. How about you? Did you have a rating on it? Yeah, I th- I had it at a f- uh, four stars. Yeah. Uh, I'd keep it at that. Okay. I think. I actually do think of the classic westerns. It's it's still up there as one of mm-hmm. my one of my favorites in that yeah, period. And actually, you know, coming out in 1960, it was sort of like the the very, very end of that period of Western that you were seeing, I think before you started getting into spag- more fl- spaghetti Western. Yeah. Or yeah. like the more revisionist kind of Westerns and yeah. Clint Eastwood started hitting the scene. And yeah. 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 Took a lot more of a cynical view towards the hero. Mm-hmm. And, Cause you know, this is a lot more of like sort of the within the same vein as like your John Ford's and yep. um, you know, even like the Howard Hawks stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, high noon and, and yeah, that sort of hero. Um
1: so yeah one thing as soon as the movie started and the score started playing i was like oh i know this movie <laughs> like i had no i had no idea that that score was from the magnificent seven like it's just such a classic western score
0: it is like the Western score. Yeah. Like Aside some, from
1: maybe like Ennio Morricone's whistling.
0: Sure. Yeah, that's right. But I mean, if you were going to do maybe like a parody of a Western. Mm-hmm. The American per- Western. Yes. Like Blazing that Saddles, Elmer Bern, Bernstein. Like sort of, yeah. Even if you've never seen the movie, you, you've, you've heard, heard the reason. score. Yep. Yeah.
1: So immediately I was sort of, I was there with it. This movie's always been there. Like this is, this mm-hmm. is a,
0: it, yeah, it felt very familiar. Um, it had like the, the right typography even. E- exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, in the, in the credits the and everything. The scenery
1: and like the, just the, and then it immediately starts with the scene where the action's happening and like the bad guys invade the little village. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I mean, it's it's everything that you expect out of a Western right away. And then, pretty quickly shifted to what I wouldn't expect out of a Western, and that is, like, dealing with racism. (laughs) Yeah. In the second scene, all of a sudden, they're dealing with the prejudice of of the town who won't let a Native American be buried in their
0: cemetery. Right. And... And I had forgotten that whole scene from the first time I viewed it, but I I think this time around, it was certainly something that struck me as mm -hmm. probably peculiar for a reason at the time i mean yeah. you're dealing with like civil rights in 1960 as well yeah um,
1: but i don't think even people were like dealing with na- native american rights in 1960 i don't know i guess I don't no, know. no no no. I, I
0: almost feel like it was one of those you know using the western yeah. as a way of bringing to light contemporary sort of issues. ignoring
1: the fact that there was really a lot of and bad racism towards native well, Americans yeah, yeah. and and continuing and that sort of thing but uh yeah um, it just surprised me. And it actually kind of set the tone for the rest of the movie. It was a much more sensitive movie than I expected it to be. I I don't recall, uh, just a quick rundown, I don't recall a Western that gave so much uh, time to Mexican characters. Hmm. And um, most of them speak without an accent, like I said, which, I mean, isn't, of course, accurate, but... They're not
0: cartoons. No, they're not caricatures. They're not like Speedy, Speedy Gonzales. I also think it's important that at first, they're actually going to go get the guns for themselves. And they don't know how to fire them, but yeah. that's their original intent is we need to defend ourselves. Let's go get some guns. Right. So they're not weak people. Right. They're just kind of out of their element. They're farmers. Right. But
1: they're taking a stand in a new way. And like, yeah, they're, they're pretty empowered people. And then even once they do hire them, they hire them to like... Train them. Yeah. Yeah. Help them out. And then, yeah, just so throughout the movie and Charles Bronson's character also is very like aware of the needs of the people like it's just, I was just really surprised you know, like that scene where they're eating dinner How's the food? Great Chicken enchiladas, carne asada and Spanish rice, looks pretty good Yeah, these people really know how to cook Dig in, there's tons of it well, You know what these people, the villagers have been eating ever since we got here?
0: Tortillas and a few beans. That's all. Gracias. Well, I think that's that's kind of one of the major themes of the movie is this Mm -hmm. idea of just service and humble service, Mm -hmm. and it can seem quaint and old-fashioned, but really the movie is about doing the right thing just to do the right thing. It's it's weird how that doesn't date the movie as much as you would think. You know, it's still kind of refreshing to yeah. see and i wonder what the new magnificent seven kind of does with that theme
1: well i think also from what i heard it's not a group of mexicans who ask for help
0: no in the new in one the new one yeah. no it's a, it's it's a it's woman a, it's a town that is being um and it's actually not it's also not a group of bandits that keep threatening the town it's actually like a a, a, a big business coming in oh to really? take over the town so that's like a new contemporary spin that yeah well now i'm kind of interested to see it to see how they (laughs) oh no what have i done dang it
1: (laughs) um yeah so that was just one thing that really surprised me about it it was just a very smart sensitive thoughtful movie in most ways i think there are some ways where it's still made in 1960 you remember (laughs) the scene after like the younger cowboy chico finds the girl Mm -hmm. Uh, who is she from our village
0: So that's where they were. You hid them. Sure, they hid them, but she won't tell where. They're afraid. She's afraid of me, you, him, all of us. Farmers. The families told them we raped them. Well, we might. In my opinion, though, you might have given us the benefit of the doubt. But just as you please. You no, know, as
1: long as you were out there, why didn't you... Bring them all in. What for? Leave them out
0: there. Let Calvera find them. He'll take good care of them.
1: I don't know. Maybe this is just me projecting how I would react if somebody said, oh, they thought you were, were going to rape them. I'd be like, what? No, what? What? <laughs> I wouldn't be like, well, it's possible.
0: You were right to be concerned. <laughs> I felt like that line was kind of in keeping with Yul Brenner's character, though. As someone who certainly has a code of his own and is on the side of right, you know, throughout pretty much the entire movie. But, you know, he's going to say it his way and he's not going to worry about how people react to the way he says it. Another example that's certainly not like this, but you know, I like the scene where they're trying to recruit the Bronson character, Mm -hmm. Bernardo, who. You O'Reilly. know, they talk, he talk. he's, he's chopping wood and he's talking about how much money he made in these past gigs, Yeah. you know? And, uh, with total confidence, Yul Brenner just says, well, this one pays 20 bucks, you know? Yeah. And it's not like a, but it's a great, you know, it's, just, and he doesn't even like look at him like, well, it's just like, take it or leave it. He yeah. says, well, this job's $20 and immediately starts turning around and walking away. Not apologizing for it be $20, not yeah. explaining the situation. And then Bronson just says, well, $20 is a lot right now. Joel Brenner was just this such a cool character. He knows why he's doing it. He doesn't need to explain it to anybody else. Yeah. And he doesn't care why anybody else would do it. Right. He does it again. And this I think is is one of my favorite parts of the movie, actually, is when you have Calvera, this is at the end actually. Calvera's been shot. Mm-hmm. And he's saying to Yul Brenner, You know, you came back. Why would you come back? Why? You came back for a place like this. Why? A man like you. Why? And I love that Yul Brenner does not even. There's no line. Doesn't answer. Him. If I have basically, it's like if I have to explain it to you, you don't get y- it. Yeah, yeah. And you, as a viewer, know because in your head you're actually saying because it was the right thing to do. Right. And I love that the way that this movie makes that sort of pie in the sky morality tolerable. Yeah. Is by basically not spelling it out for you. It never yeah. actually says this is just the right thing to do and that's why you do it. Or- it's just we're Almost doing saying, it saying like you know it's the right thing to do. We don't need to tell you it's the right thing right. to do. We're just going to show you somebody doing it. And watching it this time around. Especially thinking through this this lens of like the western always being this idea of what masculinity should be. Definitely. Looking at our models of masculinity right now. We certainly know the guy who is sort of in our face all the time. How would someone like Donald Trump or someone who sees that as an ideal for masculinity. Yeah. You, Yul Brenner in this movie. This movie. Yeah. A guy who says, I don't care if it's just $20. I'm going to defend these Mexicans. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because they need it. Yeah. Because they are poor and they're disadvantaged Mm -hmm. and it's not fair and I can do something to help. So I'm going to just do it. Even though it's not going, I'm not going to come out ahead. I'm not going to go ahead. I might not even come out alive. Yeah. Anybody who's going to try to tell me that someone like Donald Trump is running because he's he's serving his country. Mm-hmm. I mean it's just a joke right, to me. Right 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 right. He's Calvera. Yeah. The ideas of mac- masculinity also came through to me a lot,
1: especially that Charles Bronson character Bernardo when those three boys say like, "Oh, we want I don't even know if what what exactly they say, but something like we we want you to be a role model basically instead of our fathers.
0: Take us with you, please." No. We're ashamed to live here. Our fathers are... cowards. Don't you ever say that again about your fathers, because they are not cowards.
1: You think I'm brave because I carry a gun? Well, your fathers are much braver because they carry responsibility. For you, your brothers, your sisters and your mothers.
0: And this responsibility is like a big rock that weighs a ton. It bends and it twists them until finally it buries them under the ground. And as nobody says they have to do this, they do it because they love you and because they want to.
1: I have never had this kind of courage. Running a farm, working like a mule every day with no guarantee will ever come of it. This is bravery. That's why I never even started anything like that. That's why I never will. That, yeah. that just because he came in and he's muscly and has a gun, right. he's the man you should f- follow. And he he's, just puts that to bed and says, "Like, no, your fathers are heroes too, like, yeah. no yeah. matter what is going on.
0: Yeah, no, that was a great touch. And <laughs> speaking of, could you imagine getting spanked by Charles Bronson? No. Did you see? Hey. <laughs> no. Like, what would, that's just such an odd scene to me. You know what I'm talking about? He just starts spanking that it kid. Is, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'd imagine being that kid growing older, like I was spanked I was by. Spanked me. <laughs> Where were my parents? Like seeing some cowboy, like spanking some kid. I don't. It made me laugh a yeah. lot actually when I saw it. Not intentionally. I don't think it was supposed yeah, to be funny. No, I don't think it was either.
1: But I will just say that the question: Can you imagine getting spanked by Charles <laughs> Bronson?
0: And you're saying is yes. Is an interesting <laughs> question. I said no. Okay.
1: <laughs> but it felt very much like that moment in uh Wayne's World, where Garth asks if he ever thought that Bugs Bunny was attractive when he put on a dress and dressed like a girl bunny? <laughs> like, not, no, I'm me right. neither. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that just really surprised me, especially, honestly, much as I love the Man With No Name trilogy, mm-hmm. um, Once Upon a Time in the West is my favorite Western.
0: Is it? Yeah. I was going to ask you that, too. That's a great movie. I love that movie. It's
1: incredible. Yeah. Um, But they're all in response to a Magnificent Seven type of movie. Yeah. And I kind of always wrote those off mm-hmm. as being, you know, idealistic, almost nationalistic, like Manifest Destiny pushing yes, sort of things. Yeah. And I really don't think that's the case with Magnificent Seven or like a movie like High Noon. Like I think yeah. it's like I think it may be in some of the John Wayne ones.
0: Some of them, but even if you really dig the into the search stagecoaching, yes and the searchers, not yeah. not, not yeah. I think that that I your reading is exactly what my reading used to be too. In fact, I had a I I had a list that's since been updated. It was called Best Westerns. Um <laughs> <laughs> And if I was just listing out my favorite westerns and they were almost all stuff that were, you know, from 1965 and later. Mm-hmm. And actually Evan, who's been on the show before, right, uh called me out on it and said, you know, your entire list is revisionist westerns or spaghetti westerns and and so it's like you, you really haven't even dug into the genre yeah. if you don't have any of those on your in your list and so then I did really start going through and either re-watching stuff I had written off or really thinking about or, it, you had... or just really trying to catch up on that and and that reading of it being you know the simple morality nationalistic manifest destiny stuff it's a very surface reading yeah there was there were so Many of those Westerns and probably a huge portion of those were very much, you know, that very cliched or very simplistic type of Western that was just kind of cranked out by the studio to be the Western to put out. But the ones that have since kind of bubbled to the surface as being, you know, these classic Westerns Mm -hmm. um, are certainly, you know, worthy of our attention, rewatching and and trying to dig into the more complicated things they were trying to express in those Mm -hmm. movies.
1: I mean, I'd seen High noon a while ago, um and I liked it, but then I rewatched it in the last year and i I loved it one I mean it's got like the real time you know that sort of like thing, but it's just the the sense of dread is so palpable, mm. and the isolation and I think that that is something that has become a myth of the Ameri- like the classic American cowboy, like the doesn't need anybody. But what these movies are all showing is like, you always need somebody that to stand alone is the worst way to live. I think Magnificent Seven shows it. I mean, it's like the fact that he goes and gets six,
0: oh, yeah. six other people. Like he, he doesn't just think he can come in and do it himself. Magnificent Seven certainly doesn't fit into that. It doesn't fit into that mythology of the West, of the lone gunman, you know? Yeah. I I think the
1: more I watch these older Westerns, the more I realize that there's a lot to them that I don't know exactly what the revisionist Westerns felt like they were rebelling against now, as much Mm -hmm. as I love them, you know?
0: Part of, I think, what, what they were somewhat addressing, that you do see in the classic Westerns, is... The way that those classic Westerns set up morality. So in Magnificent Seven, for instance, like there is never any question that these are the good guys and right. these are the bad guys. Yeah. And you can even you can even. Sort of gather that some of these people within this group of seven have a, you know, somewhat shady past or have some things that don't make them quite squeaky clean. Right. But they're not going to tell you or show you that in the no. movie. No. You, you're really meant to believe that these guys are you know, almost entirely good, and that Calvera and his men are, are entirely, entirely bad. bad. Yeah, and that's the, true. And, and that's actually... I think the more I watch the classic Westerns, I'm just kind of okay with accepting that, because it's not that... Even though the setup of morality is very simple, the way that those play out usually... Result in some very fascinating morality yeah. challenges for the viewer, you right. know, but I think what the revisionist westerns were doing a lot of with especially like you know a character you know like the man with no name, yeah. or you know even the later stuff, like when you 've got like a movie like the proposition yeah. or, you know these are people where even it 's kind of like what you saw with television with like the anti hero yeah you know, and just yeah. bringing that anti hero idea which you know. As film got more gritty and yeah. just more murky in its portrayal of morality, um, the westerns were just kind of responding to that and kind of playing into that sure. a little bit. You're never questioning with the Magnificent Seven whether you should be rooting for them. I yeah. mean, you you of course you do, you right. know.
1: <laughs> but I also think that like, of course you do because of what they're doing. Like their actions are showing. I, I think from the the first thing they do is they take the body of an in, of an indian that the town's people are saying don't bury him there because he's not white like that's a guy i can trust like it's not like he just walks on to the scene and shoots somebody and i'm like oh he probably did that for a good reason you know like yeah.
0: their actions or, are showing like they're doing things that are selfless from the yeah. beginning maybe even more than what i was saying before is i think later westerns maybe just had a more I won't even say realistic, I'll just say cynical view mm-hmm. of what can realistically be expected of a human being in their context. You know, like, of course, that was the right thing to do was for them to stand up to allow this Native American to be buried in the cemetery. That was the right thing to do. Yeah. But and, would somebody but actually would someone do that? in that time period with all the same, you know— uh, prejudices around them. Right. You know, I think the later Westerns would be a lot more cynical about whether anything could realistically play out like that. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about that. There was a point in the movie and I don't even remember what point it was where I wrote in my notes, I have read too much cynical history <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to not be cynical about this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's this sort of, aspirational Western. Yeah. It's just so hard, especially, you know, the way that we're so used to viewing history now.
1: Well, and it's hard to be aspirational when we know exactly how things typically played out. Yeah. Okay. You happen to find the seven white people in history who would be willing to be sacrificial for the sake of people that are typically looked down upon. Um, So, yeah, I think that is a modern cynicism that makes the more moral aspects, harder to swallow. But I kind of, I don't know, I kind of gave myself over to him. But I also don't think that they're as cut and dry as, like you said. Yeah. I think it's a pretty honest look, and it's not the type of white savior. Because, like we said, they, they set out to buy guns, and Yul Brenner just says, you know, you could do this a little bit more cheaply. And his whole attitude from the beginning is to help them help themselves, like... Do what they could, can't do, but empower them to do more than they have done. And
0: well, even the action scenes in at the end are just as much the the people in the mm-hmm. village taking down these bandits as it is the actual seven yeah. gunfighters. Right. You know,
1: who most of them die. Like. Yeah, all but three. <laughs> so yeah. It was a much more nuanced movie than I expected it to be. I expected it to be broad and typical, but I don't think it is.
0: No, I don't. I don't either. And I, what I was saying before isn't a knock against Magnificent Seven. It's sure. more of a reflection of myself. Where, yeah, first of all, it's coming to terms with why do I have to be cynical about seven people who decide to do the right thing? Am I that cynical in my own life? Basically, I think I'm pretty sure I wouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and saying so, so what makes or would these you people roll your so, eyes yeah. as somebody who does? <laughs> right. You know, it, it's more on me than it is on the movie. It's also more recognizing that it's okay, I think, for a movie to just be aspirational once in a while,
1: especially yeah. when it's so thoughtful in every other aspect. Yeah, you know? yeah.
0: I mean, there's a simplistic way to do it that's cheap, you know. Yeah. And I don't feel—I feel like this movie it earns those seven characters acting the way that they do. Yeah. Um, and you do feel good just watching them do the right thing. Yeah. I think like there's something that's just so useful about that and actually i was listening to uh the recent fresh air interview with antoine fuqua Mm -hmm. talking about why he wanted to remake magnificent seven and a lot of that obviously went back to him watching it as a kid yeah and terry gross asked him what what was it about the movie that that really impacted you and he talked about how he wouldn't necessarily say magnificent seven changed the way he acted but There were scenes in it, and he specifically talked about the Native American burial scene. Mm -hmm. That would then, when he was at school and kids were being bullied, he felt empowered to stand up for them. And there was something about Magnificent Seven that was reinforcing for him in real life this idea of like Mm. you got you just got to do the right thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And if people as cool as Yule Brenner and Steve McQueen are doing it, that doesn't hurt. That, either. I think, is
0: so crucial to the movie that these are just cool characters. Yeah. They simultaneously have that masculinity that right. we would all want. Yeah. And they subvert it with the way that that outpours in just service to people. Right. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, another thing that I think helps those characters is that we really do get to know them through a lot of conversation scenes. Mm-hmm. Which could be boring, and some viewers may find them boring. But I thought that not only was there a lot of good character development, um, a lot of good thematic development, but also there are scenes where there's almost more drama and action in the dialogue before a fight than is in the actual fight. I'm thinking of like the scene where they're like arguing about whether or not they should just give up. I'm not saying we bit off more than we can chew, but I do say this. We ought to have a serious talk right now along the lines of what we're going to do. We start acting like we had some good sense. Now, we figured to raise the ante just enough to make Calvera play someplace else. Well, we figured wrong. We didn't figure on being the only game in town. A man can't call them all. I didn't say he could. All I'm saying is that sometimes you bend with a breeze or you break. Do you want to go? Well, there comes a time to turn Mother's picture to the wall and get out. The village will be no worse off than it was before we came. You forget one thing. We took a contract. It's not the kind any court would enforce. That's just the kind you've got to keep. It's a noble thought, but the way things are right now. I don't know. The odds are too high.
0: Much too high.
1: Can we go? No. They reminded me a little bit of the movie that came out a few years ago, Appaloosa. I don't know if you saw that. Didn't see that one. I really enjoyed that movie. Um, My wife hated it. She just thought it was so boring. I don't think she really likes Westerns anyway. But um, Appaloosa is almost all talking. Mm -hmm. Like It'll take 15, 20 minutes of them sitting in their hotel room before the fight they know that's going to happen. And then the fight happens the way gunfights do. The fight is maybe six seconds. Hmm. It's just blam, 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 blam. And somebody gets hit and somebody doesn't. Yeah. I mean the movie's got a, f- a few gunfights, but it probably I would be surprised if there was over 3 minutes of actual like shooting Interesting. in the entire movie because it's all these conversations before yeah. and then sorting out the aftermath, which I mean it one that's just realistic with gunfights. It's not very like long drawn out <laughs> right. like choreographed things. Magnificent 7 has more choreographed fight scenes like yeah. that, but they also lend a lot of that time to the mindset before a fight and the mindset after a fight, which I think is vital to understanding the characters.
0: Well, yeah, there's even the the whole um, conversation where they're listing out what are the advantages and disadvantages of being a gunfighter.
1: You think it's worth it? Don't you? It's only a matter of knowing how to shoot a gun. Nothing big about that.
0: Hey. How can you talk like this? Your gun has got you everything you have. Isn't that true? Hmm? Well, isn't it true? Yeah, sure, everything. After a while, you can call bartenders and feral dealers by their first name. Maybe 200 of them. Rented rooms you live in, 500. Meals you eat in hash houses, a thousand. Home, none. Wife, none. Kids. None.
1: Prospects, zero. Suppose I left anything out?
0: Yeah. Places you're tied down to? None. People with a hold on you? None. Men you step aside for? None. Insults swallowed? None. Enemies? None. No enemies? Alive? Well... There's two sides to everything. Right. I love that scene. They mm-hmm. just go back and forth. They're conflicted in who they are. You they, know? I mean, they
1: break down the idea of the American cowboy right there without being terribly cynical. I, I just think this movie did conversation really well, hmm. which is not something you typically think of for Westerns. You think of like one liners. Yes. But not dialogue scenes so much.
0: That's true. But now it seems like at least at the beginning of this conversation, you were still kind of just putting this in the camp of like an average Western. So were there things that maybe either didn't meet your expectations or you just kind of were like, it it didn't.
1: Well, in a lot of ways it is still an average Western. I mean, the Chico character, I really don't dig. Like I find him pretty irritating join the club. <laughs> like uh, he is very irritating, but a lot of the storyline hinges on him, and I it's true. and yeah. I don't like it. it's uh, there's a lot there thematically, but I just didn't really care about it. The impulsive and the wanting to avoid your past and like, what are you running from? Right
0: obnoxious. Like yeah. I think the part that wins him over to the seven is when he goes up and rings the bell in yeah. the tower and then comes out and calls the whole village cowards. Roe burner's character and Steve McQueen's character are kind of like, yeah, he's, he's in now. Yeah. And it's like, why? Yeah. Like he, like that was obnoxious that was for him ridiculous. to go up there yeah. and ring that, ring that bell Nobody, and then get down and, and like just berate these, just people. berate and, and, and preach to these people. Right. Like, yeah. What I do like though, is how that character is resolved. Uh-huh. The end. I like, I like the fact that, I mean, basically by the end, you've got three people who live, Out of the seven. Yeah. You've got Chris, the Yul Brenner character. You've got the Steve McQueen uh, character, Vin. Yeah. And you've got Chico. Yeah. And you you get the idea that that Vin and Chris are going to go off and just continue to be who they are. Right. Chico's the one that you're, because he kind of is the person who is that coming of age character in the movie. (laughs) And you don't really know which way he's going to go. And you would think that everything leading up to that point, you know, he's, he's been, he's been so much about having to prove himself. And he obviously has a lot of insecurities and feels like he doesn't quite match up to the group and for him to get to a spot where he doesn't need to prove anything to anyone anymore. He can actually just live a quiet life in this village right. and not feel like, you know, he's missing something or he's not being the hero that he could be. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: I like how he that's resolved need to redefine you know? himself. Yeah.
1: I, I do like that. He, he kind of quietly realized that in the effort to keep his farm background from defining himself, he was letting it still define him as somebody in like control his life. Um, and also, it, it was in keeping with the idea of you know what the right thing is to do, so just
0: do it. Right, and he ends up doing it. Right, and in a way, the movie by doing that with his character once again reinforces this idea of like being a farmer and working the land is not a disrespectable, right? Exactly. Idea. Yeah,
1: that's fine. I still spend almost all the movie <laughs> rolling your wait, eyes, waiting for him to be off screen. Yeah. Another. This is just a weird thing. Um, big fight at the end and like they're kind of like looking at the dead bodies and the women are just shucking corn <laughs> like they're all just like and
0: they have been doing that the whole time
1: like alright stay low ladies but we gotta get this hey, corn
0: they're playing their part you know that, that's hey if they don't do that they're not gonna eat after the yeah, after the, yeah. the slaughter right okay um, true I don't know that I even caught that to be honest well, it was just so weird
1: because they like walk away from the the guys like standing there like, <sighs> and then they like kind of walk around the corner past the women just like scraping corn. <laughs>
0: Wait, have you guys been here this whole time? There was a fight, like a big fight. Yeah,
1: I don't know. That was just, that's just a little dumb thing.
0: Well, so okay, so I have a question for you though. So Chico is the one that you obviously find the most annoying. Yeah. Is there one maybe other than Yul Brenner that yeah. you really do kind of like a lot? Maybe I should put it this way: Is there is there one of them that that <clears throat> that hit you the most as like that? I, if we were playing I, that and Seven, wish I would want to be guy. like that's the guy I wish I could be cast as.
1: I like I like the um, James Coburn. Oh, you
0: stole my guy! Sorry, Britt. Yeah, the knife guy, the knife throwing guy. Oh, he just looks so cool. Oh, he does. But did you notice in the final
1: fight when he's <laughs> shooting, he like just like stands straight up and puts his gun out, <laughs> and <is> like, bang.
0: <laughs> But I think it's his face and just... Well, James Coburn's got, yeah. Like, he is the guy in that movie that's just the quiet one, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and, and just fearless. Yeah. If I was cast as him, I wouldn't actually have much dialogue, so they wouldn't see how bad of an actor <laughs> I was. I could just look badass. All right, well, I wasn't thinking about it that no, way. No, I'm not either, actually. I just but, think he's the guy who, um, of the seven, I just... Every time he was on screen, I was like,
1: heck, ah, that's cool. That guy, yeah. is, cool. Yeah, that guy is cool. Yeah,
0: Um. Yeah. Brit. Oh, one thing I wanted to talk about actually that I realized this time around that I that I totally missed, yeah, is more than any other western, Magnificent 7 has to be the inspiration for Three Amigos. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess I just it's that's a movie I loved and I don't know why when I first saw Magnificent 7, yeah, I didn't immediately go, "Oh, it's just Three Amigos, three amigos yeah. <laughs> because it's the exact same plot and yes. it's just the Three Amigos instead of the Magnificent Seven. Basically, you've mm-hmm. even got like El Guapo is mm-hmm. the Calvera character mm-hmm. through and through. I really want to watch Three Amigos uh, now. I After watching Magnificent Seven, I totally wanted to just pop in Three Amigos.
1: That's a good point. I need to like write that down. What's Make that? Make sure to watch Three Amigos soon. Yeah, don't forget. I can't. I, I bet like... That there's no other inspiration for
0: three amigos <laughs> than Magnificent Seven. <laughs> it always kind of uh confused me that it was sort of this parody of a Western, but so much of it took place in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And and just the the thought of like, okay, let's take the Magnificent Seven, but instead of like these really professional, cool gunfighters, they're just sort of these you know fish out of water, yeah. like Nancy actors who yeah. <laughs> think they're on a movie set the yeah. whole time <laughs>
1: that scene where they've realized they're not and they start crying <laughs> is anyway we don't have to talk about three amigos um i I do want to talk again uh, about the music we talked about like the 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 main theme, which is very iconic, but I found myself really enjoying the other music in the movie. I wonder, I have no idea if this is true, but you've got that um, scene from There Will Be Blood where the oil derrick blows up and
0: it's just that percussion oh, music by Johnny Greenwood. That That's one of my probably all-time favorite movie scenes. Period. That's right. So riveting. Yeah. Even though that music is why he wasn't nominated for the Oscar, I know it's a criminal act. It's stupid. I can't. We can't go there right now. I know we can't.
1: But it reminded me very much of as Calaveras approaching, hmm. and like the boys are like waving their hats and stuff.
0: Oh yeah. That yeah. is
1: all drums. It's all percussion, and it even gets to a point where it's really like arrhythmic mm-hmm. and like syncopated in a very, yeah, that's right. very much a Johnny Greenwood sort of way. The score beyond just being classic Western, I don't think that those touches are classic Western no. at all. Um,
0: yeah, that's a good point.
1: I don't know. Overall, yeah, I don't know. Maybe three and a half is a little harsh. I'll meet you at four. You don't have to. No, it's there's no reason not to. I don't think Chico is that bad of a character that like it makes you a Brenner and Steve McQueen not cool.
0: Let me ask you something. Is there something almost on a gut instinct level where you hear, "Oh, it's just a remake of Seven Samurai," and you almost kind of instinctually think. You know, it's an American remake of a foreign film that rarely goes as well as the original.
1: I don't think that plays into it for me. No, okay. No. It did the I really, first time I saw it. I really like reimaginings. Yeah, I think it's interesting.
0: I, I actually it. really like this idea of the samurai western almost having this like ping pong kind of thing going mm-hmm. on. I, I kind of had to remember that Seven Samurai isn't that old of a movie compared to Magnificent Seven. Like Seven no, Samurai it's like came six years before. It, it's nineteen fifty four. And then this is 1960s. so it's not like he was redoing a movie that he had seen in his childhood. Sturgis, or you know, right? And so Kurosawa was influenced by John Ford and and the classic American westerns. So it's just this very circular thing happening of right. like you know the westerns influencing the samurai movies, the samurai movies then influencing the newer westerns. Yeah, and well, even
1: Sanjuro and Yojimbo became the man with no right, name movies. Right, right, exactly. Um, I
0: don't know that there's this there's this cool relationship that you see right. bouncing back and forth between mythologies the, of the, the different, two genres. Yeah.
1: And the mythologies of different nations and
0: the histories. Right. And how well they, how well they click and how it's well they like, work. Like yeah. seven samurai, you know, is through and through a samurai movie and then it just works so perfectly as a American Western too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, you know, on our scale of best buds, Oh, we're best buds, mutual understanding. It's complicated. We're, no,
1: we're best buds. We're we're Steve McQueen and Yule Brenner at the end of the movie, mm. but we're not Steve McQueen and Yule Brenner in real life. They hated each other. Kind of disappointing because they're such a pair, but
0: Yeah, what could have been? Yeah.
1: So we're 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 Steve McQueen and Yule Brenner in the movie. I'm not in real. Life. I'm fine we're living fine in that, that fantasy world. Okay. Me too.
0: And I'm going to leave mine at four stars. You're, you're actually. Yeah, you're I'll a bump, bump it up. Four stars. It so that's up. good.
1: It is, uh, yeah, I really did. All right. Hey, it's, a, it's a good movie.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, we did our first Western. Wow. Hey. I, th- I don't know. We went all right. We, we, I think we, so. Yeah. We touched on a lot. I'm, I'm actually hoping we can do it again sometime.
1: Oh, yeah. I would. Uh, there's plenty of Westerns I would love I've, to watch again. Three <laughs> <laughs> That'd
0: be great. <laughs> Probably not. But let's. No. Uh, let's, let's talk let's, about what we're doing next yes, time. Let's do that.
1: Our next episode is going to be our Halloween episode.
0: I always look forward... Well, always being... This being our third time. three years. Yeah. yeah. I always Three look years,
1: though. This is our third Halloween episode. That's pretty crazy. Typically, we we watch an older one that one or both of us haven't seen. The first one was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. which neither of us had seen. I don't believe either of us will watch again oh, because... Man. That was such a good it's conversation so and episode,
0: though. I, I actually... That might be when I, I go and just listen to listen our conversation to because just because I that movie still sticks with me. Me too. Just as it's a, a great a shocking horror movie. movie.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, last year we did Nightmare on Elm Street, which I had never seen. Nate had. Um. Anyway, and <laughs> this year we're we're doing a movie neither of us had seen. I know it's a movie that a lot of I, I see filmmakers talking about it a lot, critics talking about it a lot. 1973, The Wicker Man is what we're going to watch. If I'm not mistaken, and I may be mistaken and this sounds stupid, I think that it's in part uh, inspiration for some of Hot Fuzz, what happens in Hot Fuzz. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, the, I'm saying
0: mm-hmm, just, I had not heard that, but You sure. heard yeah. it when I said it. Yes.
1: Um, thank you for acknowledging <laughs> my voice is working. You
0: are saying words and mm-hmm. that did make sense mm-hmm. to me. Uh,
1: um, but also the recent uh, Radiohead music video for Burn the Witch a little bit of a claymation
0: version of yeah. some of the Wicker Man. One of my uh, favorite records of the year. Well, there you go. So I'm, I really like it too. I'm been, super excited to to watch this yeah. movie. I um, love. I just Christopher
1: love... Lee. So kind of like classic horror actor. That's what we're doing. I'm excited to watch it.
0: This is really the time of year where I fill in those gaps yeah. with horror. And so Wicker Man is definitely one for me that needs to be filled. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna do it. Yeah. So I hope you do it with us or you re watch it if you've seen it before. I'd I'd actually love to hear what some of our listeners think of the Wicker Man before we watch it or, you know, maybe some things that we should be paying attention to. The Wicker Man, I don't even know much about it, to be honest. Like I don't what either. it's about. I don't either. Like I just think I mean, of like I've Wicker seen it Baskets.
1: Uh, it is, I believe. A wicker basket salesman.
0: Well, it says right, this a police sergeant sent to a Scottish island oh, Sco- Scotland! in search of a missing girl whom the town's folk claim never existed. Oh. Oh, now I'm intrigued. Okay.
1: So is the girl a wicker man? And that's why there, it's like a schematic, like a Scottish, Scottish dialect w- problem. Oh. I don't know. Yeah, that... It's it sounds I mean, linguistic horror movies were big
0: in the seventies. Just they like were. semantic. Really bringing out the horror of words and how they're used. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And the limitations of language just really scary. Words have no notice. meaning. That's right. Really. That's right. That's right.
0: No control.
1: Yeah. Well great. And now well, I'm not
0: now I'm not gonna sleep tonight. Thanks.
1: And you know what? We use words all the time. And they're the scariest things.
0: And I, I'm sure our listeners have a lot to say about that. Oh gosh, using words. Yeah, which is going to scare the shit out of <laughs> Oh boy. Well, it, tis the season. So if you have any thoughts on The Wicker Man or on The Magnificent Seven or any mm-hmm. of our past episodes, we always encourage you to uh, talk to us. Yeah. Talk to us, baby. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of ways there's to do a, that. There's
1: a baby in here that <laughs> Nate's talking to. We've got Twitter. At CWSBF, we've got Facebook. Email us at feedback at net. Visit our website, leave a comment, net. Give us a call and leave us a voicemail if yep. you really want to, and the number for that, Nate.
0: Oh, here it is. I've actually got it ready this time. All right, 847-306-9532.
1: Fantastic. And... As always, a, a really big help to us would be a, a favorable rating on iTunes, maybe a little comment there, and uh, share share the podcast with
0: your friends and family. Yeah, keep keep this party going. Yeah, and it is a party. I, I also want to just point out that um, if you're ever wondering, how do I know all the movies Ryan and Nate have talked about on the podcast? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you figure that out? I hear that all the time. Yeah, you, you know it might seem like a very hard thing to figure out, mm-hmm. uh, but it's actually not that bad. All you have to do is go to our website, can we still And there is a page called the movies and alphabetically lists out every movie we've ever talked about yeah. on this podcast. That's really convenient. Hit up that page. If there's, and then see if there's any uh, movies there that you'd, uh, that you didn't catch and that you've maybe seen and want to, uh, hear our rant about it. Yeah.
1: As always, thanks for listening. And, uh, We'll, we'll catch you next, catch you next time. time. I, I don't know. That's fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we're rolling. <laughs> Is it episode 44? Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. I checked. All right.